everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us, and I just want to welcome you to High Street Young Adults as we continue our summer series looking at the Old Testament and exploring the different stories and how they impact the New Testament, pointing to Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to share a, a small, brief story from Genesis looking at Abraham and Isaac. Um, and just to kind of set the background and provide a little context for anyone that may not be familiar with this. Uh, Abraham was a man that God called to an incredible purpose, and I encourage you to look at Genesis and, and how God used him throughout his life. Um, but one of the things that Abraham struggled with uh, was that he never had any children. He never had a son. And so as he and his wife Sarah got older and older, um, that began to weigh on him more and more. And he began to pray more fervently to God, asking him to be blessed with a son. And ultimately, God did. He provided Isaac. And what, now where we pick up is in chapter 22, with Isaac being a little bit older as a young boy. And God uh, making an incredible request of Abraham. And we can look and see how Abraham was obedient in this and how it changed his life and how we can carry that with us every day. So starting in chapter 22 of Genesis, in, in verse 2, God is calling out to Abraham, and he says, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So if we stop there for just a second, uh, one of the first things that jumps out almost immediately to me is how willing and immediate Abraham is to God's call. I mean, you have to think about this. Abraham has just been asked to give up the greatest treasure he has in his entire life. The one thing he's been praying to God for so long, who a person he thought may never actually come, and now God is saying, offer him to me as a sacrifice. And what we don't see, and what honestly what you would expect to see, is Abraham immediately challenge God to be doubtful, to raise questions, to ask even just why. Why would God ask such a thing of him? But he doesn't. Unlike people earlier in the Old Testament like Moses or later on like Jonah, he doesn't challenge God. He doesn't try to come up with excuses or ask if God is sure maybe he, there's someone else he meant to talk to instead of Abraham. Instead, the Bible just says that he rose early that morning and prepared to complete the task that God had called him to. And so looking at that, what kind of obedience that takes, what kind of faith that takes in God. And this is the kind of obedience that would shape the rest of his life as God calls him to bigger and bigger things, blessing him with more and more. We see how that provides Abraham with a strong faith that will carry him throughout his life. Uh, continuing on in verse 4. Uh, it says that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And one of the things that stands out here is in this passage as Abraham is talking to his servants, he tells them that both he and Isaac will come back from this time of worship. And so again, even such a small little statement like that, you see an expression of Abraham's faith. He may not have known how God was going to use this time. He may not have known what God's plan for him was. 
but he trusted in God enough to know that his will and plan would reign over that moment. And he had faith throughout the entire experience. Uh, skipping it down a little bit to verse 9, it says that when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So what we see here is God stepping in at the last minute, telling Abraham to stop and to save Isaac and not have him be sacrificed. And so looking at this story, it kind of seems a little odd especially now in a more modern time period. And so it might seem like it belongs in the Old Testament, that this story has very little to do with our experiences now, but I think there are at least a couple things that we can pull out of this that we can really um, apply to our daily lives and kind of carry us and help carry us through in our, and develop in our relationship with God. And so the first thing is that recognizing that this is a true foreshadowing of Christ. Um, there's a lot of symbolism in this story that, unfortunately, we don't really have time to dig into uh, from things like where this actually took place and the idea of Isaac carrying up the wood um, that he would be sacrificed on is, is comparable to Christ carrying his cross. Um, but looking at all these different things and how they kind of reflect what Jesus would ultimately do for us thousands of years later, you can see how God is using this time to weave a story that stretches throughout so much of history. And so it's incredible to know that God has always has this plan. You can see it unfolding even in the beginning stages and now and then culminating in the New Testament. And so that's a great reminder for us to know every single day that there are no wasted moments and there is nothing that God isn't aware of that's happening in our lives. Every single thing that unfolds in our day-to-day -day life is all a part of God's plan. And while it may seem small or insignificant in the moment, when finally culminating into God's grand design for our life, we can see how all those little puzzle pieces uh, start to fall in place. Uh, and then also uh, looking at how God steps in at the last minute and stops Abraham from killing Isaac. Uh, the purpose of that, why, why does that happen? And so what we can look at that and see is that God understands what the penalty of sin is and what is required of us as people. So looking at this time period, um, it's very common to have animal sacrifice. God, in fact, later on in the Old Testament, uh, puts in place a plan for how that works and and uses animals, um, clean, pure animals, first of the, of the livestock, uh, the best that, that a person would have in that time, uh, as a representation of our sin. And they are sacrificed to God to pay the penalty for our sin. We know that looking later on in Romans, that God clearly states that the wages of sin is death, that there is no other price that can be paid to cover the gravity of our sin, the, the chasm that it created between us and God is too great, that nothing we have other than our own life can be offered in place of it. But even that isn't enough. 
because if Isaac had died there on that altar, it would have accomplished nothing. Nothing that Abraham would have done to Isaac in that moment could have healed the fracture relationship that sin created between him and God. But what it does is point to a man who would come, a God who would come in the form of man later on to be that ultimate sacrifice, to pay that price that not Isaac, not Abraham, not you and I, not an animal could ever pay, and that was Jesus. And so what God is saying in that moment is recognizing that there is nothing we have to offer that can cover the great sin in our lives but that he will send and provide a sacrifice for us that will. And so what we can do today is celebrate that, to know that we are free from having to offer and live in a, live in a time or a place where our sins have not been paid for fully, that because now we live where Christ has died for us, that we can celebrate and live in that repentance. Um, but one of the other things I think is important is to realize that we can't take that for granted that stories like this are so important because they remind us of how great that penalty is, how great that cost is. To live in a time now where we can, uh, where God simply asks for our repentance through prayer um, can oftentimes lead us to a place where we fail to appreciate the magnitude of what sin is in our lives. And so it's important to look at stories like this and to kind of internalize them and carry them with us and help them and use them to help us evolve our relationship with God. Because I really feel that when we understand the magnitude of our sin, what Christ did for us on the cross, and how, what that did to change our lives and our relationship with God, it will have amazing impact on how we interact with people, how we interact with non-Christians, how we have a, a view of our world, how we approach people in day-to-day -day life and also how we evolve with God throughout our lives, how we develop that relationship with him. So I just encourage you as we kind of close to uh, take this story, take this opportunity to just kind of reflect on how, how sin has changed your life, how, how God brought sin, in, or how we brought sin into the world, and how that created such a disparity between us, but that Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross changed that forever. And to never lose sight of what amazing, amazing gift that was for us. Um, so I thank you for joining us. And I hope you continue to follow us this summer as we uh, continue this series.